This podcast is made possible by Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield, the whole health company. Welcome to Go Bronx Podcast, episode 17. I'm Olga Luce. And I'm Angel. Today we are going to have a little fun and talk about a few Bronx stories regarding some famous people. These celebrities were either born or lived or worked in the Bronx, and we have some little-known facts about them. We compiled a group we thought our listeners would find interesting and even invited a few Bronx voices to tell us their story in their own words. Let's start with a figure we learned about in Episode 4, The Bells, Edgar Allan Poe. We learned that Poe moved to the Bronx, which at the time was the countryside, with his wife and mother-in-law. His wife was suffering from consumption, what we now know as tuberculosis, and they moved to the quote-unquote countryside of the Bronx because the fresh air would be better for her. It didn't work. Virginia Clem, Poe's wife, succumbed to the disease in 1847, leaving behind a bereft Poe. He was prone to taking long contemplative walks through the bucolic and rustic roads of the village of Fordham. He wrote, quote, Fordham is still so charming and rural a locality that we can imagine it to have been a poet's true home before the first encroachments of a rapidly advancing city had broken its quiet, unquote. What you may not know is these long walks would more often than not lead him to a nearby St. John's College. Although he was not a Catholic, he would spend hours with the Jesuit priests playing cards and smoking cigars. The rule was to not talk of politics or religion. And it seems that the Jesuits enjoyed his visits as well. One priest even said about Poe, to know him is to love him. Well, St. John's College became Fordham University, and the countryside of Fordham Road is, well, not so much. Here's a fun fact. Fordham University claims to have the actual chapel bell that inspired Poe to write one of his best-known poems, The Bells. If you go back to episode four, Angel actually recites that poem. You might want to listen to it. Anyway, our next story is about the first black United States Secretary of State. Well, he was a first in a lot of things. Colin Powell is the son of Jamaican immigrants, and he lived on Kelly Street in the Bronx. He attended Morris High School, then the City University of New York, or CUNY, and eventually became a highly decorated military officer, advancing to the rank of four-star general. General Powell was named United States National Security Advisor under then-President Ronald Reagan. He became chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff under then-President George Herbert Walker Bush, or who I call Papa Bush. He became the first black man to become United States Secretary of State under then-President George W. Bush, or W, or who I call Baby Bush. He's also on our Bronx Walk of Fame class of 2001. But here's something else you may not know. General Colin Powell speaks Yiddish. As a young man, he was hired to work at a baby furniture store owned by an Eastern European Jewish immigrant in the Bronx. Well, he not only proved to be a conscientious employee, but he was pretty awesome at customer service, which were mostly made up of a Jewish clientele. As a result, Powell speaks Yiddish and has been recognized by many Jewish organizations, such as the World Jewish Congress and the Yeshiva University Annual Hanukkah Dinner. 
You can find that video in our show notes and on our Facebook page, GoBXPod. But here's him being interviewed on CUNY TV, where he speaks a bissel Yiddish. You said those 13 rules came from sayings. When you were uh, a young man growing up in the city, my understanding is you worked in a baby furniture store yep. and you picked up some Yiddish sayings. Yeah, did any of those translate? You know, did you get any wisdom or guidance? From yeah, those whenever, I was, whenever I was kind of annoyed with somebody, I've got the Zunken Keppel, you know, I'll hit you in the side of the head or you're uh -huh. blushing. And you, depending on how you say it, it's mm -hmm. either a blushing or a slap in the side of the head. I preferred it as a slap in the side of the head. Hey, Olga. Talking about Eastern European Jews, did you know that Leon Trotsky, one of the forefathers of the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia, lived in the Bronx? You know, I did not know that. Although in his autobiography, he mentions living at 164th Street. Without offering any further details, many historians agree that he actually lived on Vice Avenue on the corner of East 172nd Street. So, now we're going to talk about some pretty famous neighbors the Marshalls and the Reiners. Gary Marshall, who was inducted into our Bronx Walk of Fame in 1998, was an actor, producer, and writer, known for his work on The Dick Van Dyke Show, The Danny Thomas Show, The Odd Couple, Happy Days, and a show called Laverne and Shirley, where he casted his sister, Penny Marshall, in a leading role. They were no strangers to performing arts, as their mother was a tap dance instructor and used the basement of their building at 3235 Grand Concourse as a dance studio. Penny Marshall went on to produce and direct movies like Big, starring Tom Hanks, and A League of Their Own, also starring Tom Hanks, Gina Davis, and Madonna. As for the Reiners, Carl Reiner was one of the trailblazers of sketch comedy, along with the likes of Mel Brooks and Sid Caesar. He and his family also lived on the Grand Concourse. His son, Rob Reiner, would also, like the Marshalls, go on to become an actor and producer-director in Hollywood. Rob Reiner was best known for his portrayal of Michael Stivick on the 1970s sitcom All in the Family, starring Carol O'Connor as Archie Bunker, a working-class grade-A bigot living in the suburbs of Queens. The character of Michael Stivick was Archie's son-in-law, which he nicknamed Meathead. It was one of the most successful television shows in history. But what Penny Marshall and Rob Reiner did not know was that they lived across the street from one another on the Grand Concourse. They eventually met as adults while in show business. It wasn't until they were both casted by Penny's brother Gary to appear on his hit television production, The Odd Couple, that they actually met, fell in love, and eventually got married. Now, as Penny would say in an interview, the reason why they didn't meet as kids growing up in the same place around the same time was that the Grand Concourse is a very wide boulevard and, you know, they weren't allowed to cross the street. Imagine what that conversation was like. Wait, you're from the Bronx? I'm from the Bronx. What part? No way! I lived right across the street. Did you know, Joey? <laughs> I know, right? Talk about a major dink. They eventually divorced, but remained friends throughout their careers. Olga, by the way, did you know that legendary film director Stanley Kubrick lived on the Grand Concourse near East Kingsbridge Road? Yeah, I knew he was from the Bronx. I didn't know where he lived, but he is on our Bronx Walk of Fame. We'll take a quick break, but when we come back, we will talk about another set of neighbors who also lived in the same neighborhood, even went to the same school, and became famous in the same profession. 
The world has changed a lot in the last year, and more than ever, you need health insurance you can rely on. Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield is the whole health company, and that means they are dedicated to improving the health and well-being of everyone in the Bronx and throughout the New York service area. They've been supporting the health of Bronxites for 86 years, providing you access to high-quality, affordable care. To learn how you can make a whole health connection, go to empireblue.com. Sigourney Weaver here to tell you about the New York Botanical Garden, 250 acres, 1 million plants, and you. Now open in the Bronx. Plan your visit at nybg.org. City Bike is expanding to the Bronx. Membership is only $179 annually. New Yorkers who live in NYCHA or receive SNAP benefits can take advantage of the discounted City Bike membership for only $5 a month. Visit citybikenyc.com pricing to get started. Ralph Lifshitz, son of Jewish immigrants from Belarus, was born in the Bronx and lived on Kasuth Avenue, right around the corner from Calvin Klein, who lived on Rochambeau Avenue. Well, you're probably asking yourself, who the heck is Ralph Lifshitz? Well, Ralph Lifshitz would later change his name to Ralph Lauren. And both he and Calvin Klein went on to become famous fashion designers. In fact... They both went to PS80, though not at the same time because they are four years apart. Another dink. So, Angel, here's another little Bronx six degrees of Bronx separation. Ralph Lauren and Gary Marshall both attended DeWitt Clinton High School. Wow, that's just amazing. And, 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 and another dink. Calvin Klein supposedly took tap dance lessons from Penny Marshall's mom in that Grand Concourse basement. Oh, man. Now that's just too much. I know. It all intersects. The Bronx is just one big mishmash of intersecting lives. Now I've got another great story. Angel, did you know that one very well-known actor got his big break while working in a Bronx restaurant? Would you be referring to the best Italian mobster character, Joe Pesci? That would be the one. Okay, come on, Angel. Go ahead. Come on. You could do it. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown? I amuse you? <laughs> that was brilliant. He was great in Goodfellas. I just love that scene. Before that, he took on a lot of different jobs, and he played a few roles in some eh, marginal movies that didn't really go anywhere. He decided to give up the art and took a job at a restaurant in the Belmont district of the Bronx around the corner from Arthur Avenue. Well, the restaurant doesn't exist anymore. But I spoke with a lifelong neighborhood resident and former owner of this restaurant, Frank Franz. Uh, well, thank you, Olga. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, as you know, I was the last owner of Amici's restaurant in Little Italy in the Bronx. Uh, that was on the corner of Hoffman and 187th Street. And for anybody that was around back then, Amici's was the powerhouse restaurant of the Bronx, filled with uh, the movers and shakers of the Bronx, as well as celebrities, politicians, businessmen. And uh, when I purchased it, uh, I guess I inherited all the stories that went along with Amici's. And one of the most famous is the story of the discovery of the actor Joe Pesci. Uh, a lot of people don't know that Joe Pesci actually had several careers in show business before becoming an actor. He was, uh, believe it or not, a magician at one time. And he even put out a, uh, I believe, a rock and roll album and uh, tried a number of things that just didn't work out. 
And I guess he got discouraged, or at least that's the story. And he was working as the maid of D at Amici's, which was doing very well back then. And he was uh, making quite a bit of money for the times and very comfortable. So the story goes, it was a Saturday night, place was packed. He's as busy as you could be. And one of the waiters says, hey, Joe, there's a phone call for you. So he goes over the phone and uh, a voice says, oh, Mr. Pesci, uh, I don't think you know me. My name is Robert De Niro. I saw some of your work. I'd like to talk to you. Well, Joe used to go play cards across the street after he finished working. And he thought it was one of the guys from the club giving him a hard time. So he says, yeah, yeah, very funny. He hangs up on him. So 10 minutes later, waiter calls him and says, Joe, another call for you. So he goes over to the phone and a voice goes, uh, oh, Mr. Pesci, I think we got cut off. This was, uh, this is uh, Bob De Niro. I was just talked to you a while ago. He says, look, it wasn't funny the first time. It's not funny the second time. And he hung up on him again. 10 minutes later, same thing happens. Although the third time, Joe Pesci curses this guy out, a real mean streak, and hangs up, threatens him and hangs up on him. About an hour later, Robert De Niro comes walking into the restaurant, looking for Joe Pesci to say, you know, I, I think there's a miscommunication. I'm Mr. De Niro, you know, and he offered him a part in the movie, which Joe didn't want to do. You know, the owner of the restaurant at that time, you know, was talking to Joe and Joe says, you know, I'm making good money here. I'm sick and tired of the rat race. And the owner said, Joe, why don't you go make the movie? It's good money. When you come back, you got your job. So Joe went and made the movie, came back. That movie turned out to be Raging Bull that he won the Academy Award for. In the meantime, when he came back, you know, he had made the movie. Nobody knew it was going to be a big success. They were editing it. But he made, met quite a few people in, uh, in Hollywood. So when he came back, the Hollywood crowd started coming into Amici. So it was not uncommon to find Ryan O'Neill and Farrah Fawcett there or Cher or quite a number of, of actors, I don't remember them all. And uh, the owner of the restaurant actually, I think start, uh, went to Hollywood, he sold the restaurant to the person that I bought it from and went to Hollywood and got involved with films and was working with Joe Pesci and uh, Martin Scorsese, I believe, and Francis Ford Coppola and uh, passed away at a young age. And uh, when he passed away, they brought him back to Mont Carmel for the funeral. And the, uh, it was like something out of the movies. The church was filled with A-list celebrities and people that knew him from wherever. And, uh, and that's how Joe got started. <laughs> okay, this is fun. We're going to take another quick break with more Bronx stories about famous people. Don't go away. Get it, baby, get it! And now for a little segment we like to call Yo Angel. Yo Olga. We actually had a theme park in the Bronx back in the day. What was it, and where was it located? Yes, we did. It was called Freedomland and was located in what is now Co-op City. To tell us more, we invited the author of Freedomland USA, The Definitive History, Michael Virgentino. Freedomland USA was located in the Northeast Bronx from 1960 until 1964. It was five seasons of action-packed fun based on the theme of American history. And it would take us from little old New York of the 1800s through the Wild West, uh, through New Orleans during the time of the Civil War, and it would end in the contemporary period of Satellite City, which uh, talked about and focused on the space race with Russia. And now you know. A little old tip from the anchor man. Take a trip to Freedom Land. Take a trip to Freedom Land. Take a day to Freedom Land. The moon bowl free and swinging wild. Performing night and day. 
Okay, we're back talking about Bronx stories about famous people. Do you have one, Angel? Okay, how about the legendary comedian George Carlin? Oh my God, this man was a comedic genius. One of the funniest comedians that ever lived. Irreverent, bold. Comedy Central named him as one of the top 10 American comedians of all time. Yeah, hippy dippy weather, man. With all the hippy dippy weather, man. Carlin attended the all-boys Cardinal Hayes High School on the Grand Concourse in the 1950s. Yes, and if you know anything about anyone who attended Cardinal Hayes, you know that being a Hayes man is like being a Marine. Once you're a Hayes man, you're always a Hayes man. Hayes men are very proud of their alma mater. Except, we're not so sure George Carlin could technically be considered a Hayes man. It's no surprise that this irreverent, rabble-rousing comedian didn't do too well within a strict Catholic school regimen and discipline. Yeah, he was expelled after three semesters. In fact, he was such a bad student that he was thrown out of several schools after that, which is odd because his humor was so smart and socioculturally edgy. Well, despite his academic failures, he became one of the most successful entertainers of all time. My friend and New York Times journalist, a Hazeman himself, David Gonzalez, wrote, Carlin was the most famous Hazeman who never graduated. Some of the guys were saying, hey, Carlin, I'm class of 53. What year were you? That's a big thing in these meetings, you know. What year were you? Well, I gave them my usual answer. I said, well, if I would have graduated, <laughs> I would have been class of 55. So that clip was from an event at the school in 1983 when he was invited back to give a speech to honor Monsignor Stanislas Jablonski, whose students referred to by many nicknames, some affectionately like Jabo, and some to reflect the strict priest's demeanor. He was the dean of discipline, the mean dean, or the sinister minister. We will put a link to the full speech in our show notes and also on our Facebook page because it is so funny and worth listening to especially if you're a Hazeman or have a Hazeman in your life. By the way, you'll hear in that recording, Carlin is introduced by Regis Philbin, another Bronx-born celebrity and fellow Hazeman. Cardinal Hayes High School did turn out a few pretty successful people, such as Philbin, who is, by the way, one of our inaugural Bronx Walk of Fame inductees, Martin Scorsese, also from Hayes, and Willie Colon, the football player, not the musician, were also Hayes alumni. Willie Colon, the musician, was inducted into the Bronx Walk of Fame in 2004, and Willie Colon, the NFL football player and Super Bowl champ, was inducted exactly 10 years later in 2014. But you have another quick coinkadink about a Bronx Walk of Fame inductee Hazeman, right? Yeah, so in 2017, we inducted Dr. Manny Villafaña to the Bronx Walk of Fame. Dr. Manny was also, like Carlin, a rambunctious young Hazeman, and experienced some of Jabo's Dean of Discipline methods. Manny eventually became super-duper successful in the area of medical devices, especially in cardiovascular disease. He earned the moniker the Cardia Kahuna because he invented technology that enhanced the pacemaker. Several years later, he too went back to Cardinal Hayes. Turns out that Jabo, the sinister minister, was a lucky recipient of one of Manny's pacemakers, which very well may have prolonged the Monsignor's life. That is pretty cool. So Cardinal Hayes has some pretty impressive alumni. 
Do you know what other school does as well? Yeah, our rivals. Oh, well, not your rival. I went to John F. Kennedy High School, and because Clinton was an all-boys school at the time, the Kennedy boys didn't like them coming around talking to the Kennedy girls. At least my then-boyfriend was wary of the Clinton guys. But DeWitt Clinton High School has an impressive list of well-known graduates, like the aforementioned Gary Marshall and Ralph Lauren. Marvel Comics legend Stan Lee, James Baldwin, Burt Lancaster. Robert Klein, Bronx Walk of Fame inductee 1997. Tracy Morgan, Don Adams. Judd Hirsch, Ace Frehley, Neil Simon. Batman creators Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Daniel Shore. Nate Archibald, Bronx Walk of Fame inductee 1997. <gasps> Willie Colon, the musician. Patty Chayefsky, Congressman Charles Rangel, Richard Carmona. But there was one DeWitt Clinton alum who also became a teacher there. His name was Abel Mirapol. Not a household name, I know. Mirapol was not only a Clinton alum, but he came back to the school as a teacher and taught there for 17 years. And not only was he a teacher, but he was a songwriter as well, who published under the pseudonym Lewis Allen. He wrote a lot of lyrics, but his most memorable song was Strange Fruit, recorded by jazz great Lady Day herself, Billie Holiday, who, by the way, is interred in St. Raymond Cemetery in the Bronx. The song Strange Fruit was based on a poem Mirapol wrote called Bitter Fruit, meant to protest the all-too-common lynching of black Americans in the South in those days. Mirapol was an anti-racism activist and also a member of the Communist Party for a bit. He and his wife were friends of Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, who in 1951 were convicted by the federal government of espionage. In June 1953, the Rosenbergs became the first American citizens to be executed for such a crime. Their young sons, Michael and Robert, ages 10 and 6, at the time had nowhere to go. They were orphaned, and they were considered children of traitors, and family members didn't want them in their households. I mean, they were just little kids. So they spent a little time at the Hebrew home in Riverdale, which was an orphanage. Abel Mirapol and his wife, Anne, who had no children of their own, adopted the boys, and they became Michael and Robert Mirapol, living full lives and becoming teachers themselves, I believe college professors. Abel Mirapol died at the age of 83 years in 1986. There have been a lot of speculation about the innocence of the Rosenbergs, but subsequently declassified information seems to confirm their guilt. I hate to end on such a sad story. Can we do one more Bronx Walk of Fame inductee? Hit me. So... The actress and comedian Renee Taylor, known for her role in the TV sitcom The Nanny, was born in the Bronx. In 1997, she was inducted into the Bronx Walk of Fame, along with Regis Philbin and Robert Klein. Olga, I think we may have to do an episode on the Bronx Walk of Fame. I'm on it. Anyway, Taylor has always been an animal lover. And during the VIP breakfast before the Walk of Fame induction, she insisted that her dog have a seat at the table with her or she would leave. I mean, the 1997 organizers had to bring an actual chair and set a plate for her pooch. Now there's a serious pet parent. No doubt. As a pet parent yourself, I'm sure you can relate. Oh yes, my furry cat son, who just always likes to eat. Aw, poor Bam, feed that guy. He doesn't eat enough. <laughs> well, Angel, I enjoyed being a member of the paparazzi. Paparazzo? Paparazzi. Anyway, it was fun hanging out with celebrities, but it's time for us to wrap this up. That's our show this week. Thank you all for tuning in to our Go Bronx pod, produced by the Bronx Tourism Council and made possible by Blue Cross Blue Shield, the whole health company. 
Mucho thanks to the Huntington Free Library and Reading Room for serving as our makeshift recording studio. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GoBXPod. If you like us, tell your friends. And if they already like us, make some new friends and then tell them. For more information about this and other episodes, visit GoBronxPod.com. And while you're there, subscribe to our e-newsletter to get the latest and greatest news from and about the Bronx. As, As always, always, I'm Olga Luz. And I'm Angel. Bronx Bronxfully yours. yours.